Welcome to Red and Yellow, the podcast about all things to do with refereeing at grassroots level, looking at the laws of football, speaking to guests and trying to help you become a better referee with Adam Humphreys and me, Ed Connell. Hello, loyal listeners. It's Adam here and I just wanted to get in early on this episode of Red or Yellow to remind you to please, please, please send in your questions about refereeing or anything you feel like you might need help with in terms of your game. That's why we are here, to help you improve to be a better referee. We really enjoy getting questions from our listeners as voice notes via email or DM or on social media. Being able to help you is why we created this podcast and to offer our insights and to be able to help you by drawing on our experience. Added to that, if you are a very fit listener, then please don't forget to follow us on all the social medias. It's at Red or Yellow Pod. As well as remember to like and subscribe in your podcast feed. Thank you so much for being here. And let's get on with the show. Hello, Edward. Hello, Adam. How are you? I'm good. This feels like a... a um, uh, you know, you know when they do reruns of your favorite TV show, or like you go back onto Netflix and you see The Office, and you're like, oh, you know, I'll just watch an episode or two, um, just for that that joy of comfort that it used to give you. I'm kind of getting that sense of nostalgia. It hasn't been that long since our uh, last recording. In fact, I'm just looking. Our last recording. Oh, it's been quite a while. 28th of March. Yeah, I mean, no, let's 20, 26th our- of March. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's emphasize the word hour there because obviously I broke off on my own. Um I I you know, I went rogue and um and I'm surprised you're still talking to me to be honest well, after g- my g- uh, tales given, of foot fungus. Given the uh terrible listener numbers, the drop off we suffered after last week's recording. It's a miracle. <laughs> it, it, it's a miracle if everybody's still listening, Adam. We could be just talking to ourselves <laughs> from this point onwards. <laughs> To be fair, I often feel like that every time we do this podcast, to be honest. And I'm always surprised when I get a message. <laughs> like my AR this evening, he um I'm a I'm a um a ground called Winner Wolves tonight. And um or I'm a, what, a club called Winner Wolves. And uh the uh the my AR I was texting him before the game and he was like, Oh, you're English, aren't you? I was like, Yeah, how, how do you know? I'm like, oh, you know, a couple of the Sunny Coast boys talk about it because he's coming down from the Sunshine Coast. And he was like, and I listen to your podcast talk too. I was like, oh. Okay, great. That's nice. So, you know, at least there's one listener who I'll get to, I'll hopefully get to uh, re-inspire tonight. We know there are lots of listeners because lots of listeners got in touch with us to berate us for not having recorded. And yeah, I'm sorry about that. I think you probably um, explained last week, although I haven't listened to your podcast from last week, but I think you you probably explained that we just had, it's just been a very busy time for both of us. Um, Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? It happens. Like, you know, I've been refereeing, changing jobs, moving house. Um, or buying a house, not just moving, um, and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it's been it's been funsies. And you got an exciting new job, haven't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I now work in football administration. And what's the role going to be? What are you going to be doing? I uh, I think I'm known as a referee support officer. I was thinking before we recorded today um, for Football Queensland. Um, before we was recording today, I was like, maybe I should always start every podcast with. The views expressed on this podcast are views not of Football <laughs> Queensland, but solely of Adam Humphreys slash Barry. Uh, like a little disclaimer, throw that in there. So any views that you do hear of me have nothing to do with uh, your personal views and not those of they your uh, soon to be employers. But that's no, very exciting. Good to have a sort of related job. I've, I've not seen to be. I've completed my first week. I've even got my own water bottle in my name. Oh, but... 
yeah, there we go. Very impressive. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, so I'm enjoying it. No more 4 a.m. starts and training clients at 5 a.m. in a gym. No. I feel normal. I feel like you, Ed. And is the acting going to continue? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, the job is, um, you know, there's like lots of options to work flexibly with it and stuff. So um, so I can still squeeze in all the other bits and bobs that I need to. Excellent. So I shall still be being Basil. Good stuff. Well, lots of lots of things have happened in the news from a referee perspective since we last recorded. Um, <laughs> unsurprisingly, given it's been two over two months. I mean, I, I've got a list of things of topics that have come up, some which are particularly recent, some not so recent that uh, I thought we could talk about. But I guess should we. we um, oh, sorry, you was probably about to go there. I was just going to say should we touch base on Alexander Mitrovic and how all that finished because that was the that hit we our last podcast that we did together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we just that was where we left it. He pushed um, who was it, Chris. I can't remember the referee's name now, yeah. but he kind was of pushed Chris, him over, it, didn't he? Chris Kavanagh, if it was Chris. It was yeah, it was. That's Chris right, Kavanagh, Kavanagh. Yeah. yeah. yeah and correct. so, what well, I can't remember now what the ultimate sanction was. I know that he got given a relatively short ban from. The, I think it was six games. Yeah, and then was that the end of the matter? Because I, I, I thought there was then going to be subsequent action because I was led to believe that that was just the action taken against him by the FA, uh, and I thought right. there were going to be other potential sanctions to follow. But I may be, I may be wrong about that. Um, all, I, all, I, all, I, all I'm aware of was that he got sanctioned. I think it was for six games. Um, eight game. Uh, eight game ban. Yeah, which, I don't know, I think I probably said last time that that was a real opportunity to make a, a very a important point. And I, I just don't think that eight match ban really does that justice but um and the first the first three games he missed were against West Ham Everton and Leeds so you know it's really going to have hurt them isn't it playing against those three titans of football but uh well they all finished above Chelsea this Chelsea season, so uh, <laughs> Leeds didn't <laughs> I was going to ask you how Chelsea going <laughs> well we're, we're still going and we're glad the premiership season's ended so it got on any longer we would have been relegated um but yeah, let's not talk about that. That's, that's very depressing. Also, though, um, what followed after that, not so long after that, was I don't know if you saw the incident involving Andy Robertson and elbowing the assistant referee. Do you see that in the? No, the assistant, the assistant referee. Sorry, assistant referee over him, which was in the I think it was the Liverpool Arsenal game on the Easter weekend. And for anybody who didn't see it, that that the assistants come onto the pitch. Was it half time? I think it was. I think it was half. I'm not sure. I think it might have been, yeah, or it might have been full time. And it was a natural moment for people to be on the pitch. Yeah. Andy Robertson comes up to the assistant and the assistant elbowed him. And I have to say, uh, I thought that there were going to be sanctions following for the assistant after that had happened because you can't have so it did I. one way. Both ways. You know, yeah. it's got to be yeah. consistent. Uh, but bizarrely, no one took any Nothing action happened. about it. And uh, unsurprisingly, Jurgen Klopp said common sense prevailed with uh, no action being taken by the authority. I think I watched it and I was like, yeah, you've let yourself down. You've really let yourself down there because it yep. was a total lack of professionalism yep. by by reacting physically towards a player on the pitch when you are one of the, the officials who's meant to yeah. be, you know, acting as the authority in the game. I found that really disappointing. And I was actually also disappointed that no action followed as a result of that. But um, do you not feel like you understood? Oh, yeah, of course. But, like, you know... We've all been in that situation, haven't we? Where you're like, I just want you to get out of my face and go away. And I can't deal with this anymore. But it, 
it just sends out a really bad message. I yeah, think. Yeah, it does. That, you like, know, you're completely right. It, it, it's okay to lose your lose your rag, you know, even if you're provoked a great deal and sort of throwing your elbow out at a player, which is exactly what it did. It was unequivocal when you watched it. Yes. And and then the consequence of that is well, there are no consequences, and you know, yeah, disappointing that. Um, so that was the first thing we should talk about. The second thing, which is probably mu- much more recent in time. Uh, and we've been talking about it ourselves sort of on social media, but it's the Anthony Taylor situation regarding this week's match. So he, he, as I'm sure most of the listeners know, uh, refereed the Europa League final between Sevilla and Roma uh, this week. Did you uh, watch it? I watched, I, I kind of turned on towards the latter half of the 90 minutes. Right. Um, I hadn't been watching it before then. And I thought that Anthony Taylor, I mean, I, I'm not... Massive fan of Andy Taylor's, but I thought he did a I thought he did a great job. I mean, I thought mm. I didn't there was nothing that I saw him do that I thought was you know he got wrong, and I, I, it was an incredibly difficult game. I mean, there was constant badgering of him. He was being sort of crowded, you know, frequently by players. He gave um, the most amount of yellow cards someone's ever given in a European final. Or something well, I, I think some I think stat like that some, I saw. I think he gave like 14 yellow cards yeah. and I don't know if they were all for players or some for you Jose know, Mourinho. Some, of the, some of the people on the bench but I mean it, it, it's a tough game and I, and I I like you follow lots of sort of referees and referee forums and I I think most of the stuff I've seen online has been you know complimentary about how he conducted the game and how He's a very good you know, referee. Yeah, he's well. I've got some fun facts later on about referees. Oh, so lovely! But no, <laughs> there's but a he, surprise. But he is a he is a you know he's a good referee, and you don't get that sort of gig unless you are considered you know by your best. peers to be yeah. one of the best. Um, I don't know if you saw the. Did you watch the penalty shootout at the end? No, he made someone retake it, didn't he? Because the goalkeeper yeah. was off the line. I mean, it's. I think it was three-one to Sevilla. Um, and it was to put them 4-1 up, I think, which then meant they won. And um, the keeper saved it, and the assist, the VAR made him put it, put it back for goalkeeper coming off the line. I mean, I have to say, I, I thought it was marginal. That's a strange call, isn't it, for VAR? It was a like, strange uh, call. Uh, and, but did it affect the result? Roma lost, well, right? Well, no, because, I mean, that's, that's the other thing that was bizarre about it, was they were 3-1 up. It doesn't affect anything, and does it really? So they've got a two-goal advantage. Um in a penalty shootout. And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, sometimes you watch those ones where the goalkeeper moves, and it's blatantly obvious to everybody that as you watch it, the goalkeeper's moved early. Mm. It just didn't feel that way. Mm. Um have you ever have you ever have you ever ordered a retake? No. No, me neither. Not no. not I, not I, not since I've been a senior official, I suppose. Maybe in my early days I did, just thinking a letter of the law and stuff. But, I mean, we used to always say in our pre-match brief, it's like, look, one, I don't want any retakes on penalties pretty much exclusively. If we are going to do one, I'll call it as the referee and the guy has to be literally on the six-yard box before I'm going to call it. And if the player misses the target or hits the post, there's no chance there's going to be a retake. Um, um, Yeah, or blazes it over. He's not retaking the penalty. I think at grassroots levels, that's also people's expectation. Yeah. Well, you have you know, to do what football expects, right? If a guy's blasted yeah. the ball over and the goalkeeper might be off the line a smidge, like, yeah, the, the, there's no need to get that retaken. You just no. one. The main reason is you're just 
asking for trouble. Like you're just you're gonna have eleven men just coming at you for no reason at all in a very tense situation anyway, for something that really he's missed the target anyway. Like you know you only have to consider it if the goalkeeper saves it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But also, what was terrible was still on the Anthony Taylor topic. You you sent me the clip which I'd already seen mm. with Anthony Taylor going In through Budapest the airport. Off. Was it Budapest? Yeah, it was. It was Budapest. Yeah, going to the airport. I think with his with his wife and child. I think. Yeah, I saw his wife and, in it. Yeah. I mean, it was horrendous. For those who didn't see it, he sort of got surrounded by disgruntled Roma fans, um, who then started throwing objects at him. It looked like a really horrible position to find yourself in and thankfully I think there was a couple of security people with him that sort of ushered him through but do you know I mean, do you know why that happened I can only I can only assume it all it all stems with the Roma fans you know dissatisfaction with the outcome of the match I mean well, you, you I, saw I, yeah but I saw Jose's uh, reaction well exactly right so apparently there's videos of Jose Mourinho approaching Anthony Taylor in the car park oh no there and, is yeah yes yeah. and I haven't seen he, them but when yeah. he's doing that of course, you're giving your fans free wow. reign to attack someone in an airport. Like we, it's it you, know, you have to live it. Yeah, you have to you have to stop. If Jose Mourinho doesn't do that, I'm not saying what happens in the airport doesn't happen. It's probably less likely of a situation because they're not going to feel so embodied. You know, I watched it and I'm like, this is no different to um, on a smaller scale. It's no different to what happened on the sixth of January. You know, the, the Capitol Hill riots. You've got a leader of a team, or you know, Donald Trump screaming and shouting about unjust, unfair, nonsensical things and emboldening all of the people who are on his side to take drastic action because he's getting away with drastic action as it's occurring. And I was just like, the metaphor is, is there for everyone to see. And it's just, it's the, it's the, what's the word? It's the insane views of a very biased human infiltrating the views of the many and it's caused serious health and safety concerns for the people involved, then it's just not good enough. That was a very big leap from Anthony Taylor getting harassed at the airport after refereeing a game to the Capitol Hill riots. But you know what? But it's not wrong, though, is it? Think about it as a metaphor. Like, you know, Donald Trump would Uh, scream and shout that everything was rigged, everyone was against us, and we need to riot about it, and we need to cause issues about it, right? And Jose Mourinho is the same. He's going out, he's screaming and shouting on what seems to me like it was probably a very fair game in the first place. No one's really... I've not seen any clips about the game at all. He's screaming and shouting that this has been stolen from us. You were wrong to do this. You were wrong to do that. He's approached the referee himself. And then, he, you know, and then a riot's occurred. There's no difference. I mean, it's terrible. They're in the sort of the areas after the after the match is where the sort of team coaches are parked up in the car park area that's kind of within the stadium itself and you can see Mourinho pacing about and then off screen is obviously Anthony Taylor because that's how it's been reported and he just he just shouts out to him you're a fucking disgrace I mean you know it's just ridiculous I mean yeah I mean I'm a Jose Mourinho fan but you know that sort of really? is just as a Chelsea fan, you're a Jose Mourinho fan. That's a yeah, surprise. I, we, we've got good memories of him, but he is. Uh, I mean, that sort of behavior is unacceptable. As, as we keep saying, a lot of behavior we see from fans or players is just things they've seen other, mm-hmm. more senior, more high profile people do and get away with it. And they deem it to be acceptable. So, I mean, it'll come as no surprise you learn that. Um, I think I read today Jose Mourinho has been charged with um, abusing a match official. Um, so he's actually been charged with something in relation to it but I mean at the end of the day he's going to get going to get a minute 
financial but penalty. Say, well, exactly. And also it'll, say it'll something happened. Say something happened to Anthony Taylor at the airport or his son or his wife or whatever. Um, it's too little too late again, isn't it? Like yeah. it's, it's, you know, like it need, it should be, I mean, I know it's hard to deal with it in the moment, the night of the game, et cetera, et cetera. But it is, it's too little too late. Like, you know, sanctioning him after. Yeah. He, he, I mean, look, let's put it this way. It's not the first time Jose Mourinho has been sanctioned with serious misconduct towards a match official, right? I'm almost certain of that. And he's clearly not learned his lessons enough. And and it actually, actually endangered a guy and his family just as they were trying to get home after he's done well, to- a tough night's work. Talking about endangerment, there was um, this wasn't the story I was originally going to talk about, but there there has been a referee again in the news this week uh, because they are doing a revamp of the uh, old program Gladiators. Yes, ITV Saturday Night. And I used to love remember, Gladiators. It was my favourite show. You remember they had a sort of umpire stroke official, the Scottish guy, would say Gladiators ready, yeah. contestants, so, are you ready? Gladiators, exactly. are you ready? Three, where, where, two. I thought you were Scottish. Shut up. Sorry, so, we don't all have <laughs> Scottish heritage in us, my friend. My, but, my name is Welsh. But what is interesting is, I didn't realise this, but uh, so the person who's going to take to do that role, who's filming it now, is, is a Mark Glattenberg. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there's a surprise. Mark Glattenberg. Yeah, but the he's a Geordie. Mark... That's going to be weird, isn't it? He's a Geordie. The reason why he's back in the country, though, is I don't even whether you recall, but he went last summer to head up the Egyptian Referees Association. Was it Egypt? I knew he went somewhere, yeah. And the chairman of one of the football clubs made an allegation against him, entirely false allegation against him. He he, he came out with a story saying that Mark Clattenburg had left his wife to, to go off and have a gay relationship. And as a consequence of that, he then got suffered threats from uh, people from that club, supporters of that club. club. And so he felt he had to leave for his own safety. So that's why he's back in the UK. Um, The upside is he's now getting to, you know, be on the TVs on Saturday night as the referee in Gladiators. John Anderson. That was his name. John Anderson. Not to to disparage, obviously, the horrible um, situation for Mark. I've met Mark. He's a lovely fellow. He used to run 10K a day on a treadmill, I think. I think it was really? a day. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. He gave us a really good talk at, um, at one of the referee associations I went to back in the UK. Yeah, and he was great. Um, and my final bit of news, because I, I had lots of other sort of things about VAR, but um, they're maybe a bit more relevant for fun facts later on. But everyone will know that Luton have now won the uh, championship playoff and will play in the Premier League. Isn't uh, that weird? Season. Luton Town in the Premiership. Wow. But they've, got, they've got to do about £10 million worth of work on their the stadium to get their stadium up to scratch because they don't even have the uh Red floodlights. floodlights that no. are uh of the sufficient LED brightness that the Premier League insists upon. Is that what it is? Um and they've also got issues about what they can do about putting up VAR cameras because I think at one end of the stadium there's no actual stand at the moment. Right. So I've refereed there. I've refereed at Luton Town. It's a lovely stadium. I really enjoyed it. It's a really nice stadium, surprisingly. But um, uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm not surprised it's not up to scratch for the Premier League. That doesn't surprise me. And my final bit of news is, oh, there's two more bits of news actually with VAR related. We ought to then move on to the laws because we've done. Well, what about we? Can we also talk about the FA sanctions they've released? Because I think that's. Quite oh yeah, sorry, yeah. So I think I'll that's just, more important. 
But you, you do your VAR stuff. I'll do one very, very quickly. The first of which is there are plans afoot to increase the number of cameras for VAR um, next season. They want to add potentially up to four more cameras to try and prevent some of the uh, errors that have taken place this year. They're going to focus, will, I think, primarily. How will more cameras stop because, mistakes because from it's a, humans? It's about the, the frame rate. You right, see, okay. that's, well, so it's all about the more images you've got, the, the more you can narrow down the issues about frame rate, as I understand it. Okay. And they're going to predominantly put them outside of the um, the penalty area is the plan. And the other thing I was going to mention very quickly is it seems that next season or this coming season, we are going to get released to us after the games, not during the games, the audio or some of the audio from some games decisions. of referees talking to the Stockley Park VAR about some decisions which they've been doing, I understand, in America for a little while now. And they, there's a YouTube channel where they they play them out and Is show it? the footage. And yeah, and so I think that's going to be coming this season, not for every game. And it's not going to be live, but we might get some afterwards, which will be goodness. quite the, insightful. Uh, <laughs> the thought of people listening into what I say on the comms, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even let my assessors listen in. <laughs> So what do you? So I think you're right. We we sort of start off our new section talking about issues of misbehaviour on the pitch. So a good way to round it off is to talk about the FA's new mm. plan. So yeah, sort of just say what they've decided. So from the 2023-24 season, and this is only at grassroots, they're going to introduce point deductions for teams across the grassroots game from the start of the season if their players or coaches commit repeated offences of serious misconduct. Um, so points deductions will apply to clubs at step seven and below of the men's game and clubs across tier three and below in the women's pyramid, which commit cumulative incidents of serious misconduct, such as acts of discrimination and assault or attempted assault, physical contact or attempted physical contact against a match official. You could lose from three points to 12 points, depending on the number of breaches within 12 months of the team's first offense and severity of the cases. Is what the FA statement says. Well, Briefly. the first thing I was going to say is, well done to Alex Baker, our friend, because he was involved in bringing about that change. I saw him tweeting. Good about job, that Alex. Day. So, well done, Alex. That's um, awesome. But I think I think it's a really good thing. I think it's a really positive step. I hope that it gets used. That's my only concern. I'm hoping um, some of it is repeated offences, right? So what you're allowed you're allowed to punch an official once, but you do it twice, then you'll finally get sanctioned properly. Um, and also, I don't know, do you think, do clubs, do grassroots clubs who clearly have behavioural issues care that much about where they finish on the table of their league? Oh, I think they do. I think do I think okay. that, yeah, I think most grassroots teams, um, I'd say only a very small minority are in it just for the purely social fun of it. I, I think a vast majority of teams are concerned about where they place ultimately in leagues. Okay. See, um, I would say here in a, a thing that would, a thing, a reason it would be effective here in, in Queensland, and actually we do have like a three strikes and out sort of system here in Queensland, I think. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but um, is they, you go to a grand final. So you get like, I think they do a playoffs. So the top four do a playoffs and then, you know, you have like semifinals and then a final to win the league. Now, if there was a system like that in, England like I think it would probably matter a little bit more um, because 
there's a bit more to to place higher up the table. You know, you get you get like a final to play for and stuff like that, rather than just being on the cup. I know it's quite a um, alien idea to English football, like having that kind of system. But uh, and you well, know, that's, that's, that's that would work. Premiership, think, yeah, system, exactly. But I think that would that would probably make where teams place a little more significant. But look, I, I was never really much of a player, so at grassroots level. So I don't know if it if people do talk about it all the time or not. But um, you know, and I suppose winning the league is still winning the league, right? So you, you yeah. would enjoy it. So yeah. And then, important. and then often in these leagues there's there's sort of more than sort of one promotional spot and more than one relegation yeah. spot. A lot of these uh, leagues yeah. do have like a few teams going up and down. Yeah. So there, there is still some jeopardy uh, for some of the teams who aren't necessarily winning the league, but yeah. listen, any, any steps that are being taken to try well, and, cumulative you know, responsibility is important as well here, right? These problems, is, not is cumulative. Good. Um, what do I mean? Not cumulative. That's the wrong word. Joint, like for the whole club, like there's now jeopardy for the whole club in misbehaviour, not just the one player. Whereas before it was only ever one player, but now yeah. everyone in the team suffers. What would that be called? Joint responsibility? What do they call it in the cabinet? Um, collective responsibility. That's what I was looking for. It. Collective, not cumulative. You do not. Cool. Yeah. Thank God I'm here, eh? I know. What would you do without your brains? <laughs> I bring the brawn, you bring the brains. <laughs> I covered 10K in my game last Sunday. Did you? I was well chuffed, yeah. Yeah, proper. I was proper in the penalty area most of the game. I was well I, did, chuffed. I think I did about only did about six and a half, seven K in my last game. I did. I've done a couple of games since I last recorded and i, re- I reckon um, tonight's game will be spicy um well we'll demand a lot from me which would be good because i've got first stroke second i think they're second at the minute but they're pushing for first versus like six seventh so it'd be a, an intense game how did your games go well i was just going to say very quickly because uh, you know i'm very conscious now we've done about two podcasts where we haven't touched on the laws <laughs> law number 12 yeah but we like and a chat and the remainder of law number 12 is is ridiculously long, and I don't even it think we're going to finish that tonight. No, we'll and I'm very conscious of the fact this podcast may not have got through all the laws before the laws get changed at the beginning of next season. So, um, but no, I'll tell you what I was going to say. And one thing I benefited from from doing this podcast is I'm... All of, all of my more, advice? I know. I'll tell you what, the <laughs> one... The, I said the, if I had to put one thing on how my game has developed as a referee since this podcast began is not rushing to make decisions. Oh, that's I, nice I, to hear. I recognise now in the past, I, I would have, I made decisions too quickly mm. and I didn't didn't give myself time to think or reflect or maybe let the game just play out for that tiny second longer. Yep. And I'm very conscious of the fact that I do that now. And it's interesting, it- no, no one gets very upset if you kind of just... If you've waited until that, you know, the challenge has gone in, you just give it that second or two to see what develops, and then you blow up and give the free kick. No one's screaming at you and saying to you, but you know, that, that phase of play had ended, or but I'm very conscious of the fact, and, and I feel comfortable doing that as well. And I think I think it's maybe a better referee. Yeah, good. And it, it I think it definitely aids the overall um like spirit of the game doesn't it it makes the game yeah. a better experience for everyone i uh, i wish i'd have taken that advice last sunday i played an advantage on a dog so um and luckily he scored and then <laughs> and then i ended up booking the wrong player <laughs> yeah i know i put it in it's a report and i got to it so it's fine but uh it was just you know it's one of those crazy moments where in my head I was just overwhelmed by, oh, this is such a complex law. What do I do? Do I, I send can't. them off? Do I not? And I and two players were at that moment, and I isolated one of them 
But after the goal had been scored and I'd, I'd dealt with the goal and everything else, and I was just thinking in my head, who was it? Who was it? And I'd lost him. And then I called the guy over. He went, it wasn't me. I went, well, who was it? And he was like, what? I went, who was it? Tell me who it was or it's you. I've got to do something here. But did you? Like, but there's, like, a, there's something in our laws this week about that, which I was quite yeah. surprised at. I'm pretty sure that there is a provision where if you don't know who is responsible for infringement... Don't say this. It goes to the coach. Really? I'm, yeah, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure when I read the law for this week, I'm pretty right. sure that if you don't know who's infringed, the it goes to the manager. Well, that's but, um, that's a great segue. Oh, also, someone asked me how do they watch my games on YouTube um, the oh, other yeah. week, which I thought was quite nice. But yeah, they're on. Um, they're all on YouTube. Just search Football Queensland, and then you just have to find the game that I'm on. Um, so the game I'm talking about, if you want to see that decision, that was Gold Coast Knights. Uh, it was Western Pride versus Gold Coast Knights in the Kappa cup um and uh and then tonight it's winner wolves versus Southside eagles in the fqpl1 league yeah but they're all live streamed on youtube um and for you it'd be like tomorrow morning uh to watch it yeah but you can always go back they're there forever yeah right should we move on to the law then and we yeah, can find out whether i should have booked a coach yeah so what are we on I'm, law I'm, 12 fouls and misconduct we're on law 12 um but we, we we did direct free kicks last time and i'm pretty finished Good. we Pretty sure, for, for want of a better analogy, pulled up stumps after 12 part one. Yes. Uh, but we have got law 12 part two, which is indirect free kick. Oh, and right, there's yes. a bit in here, which I, I'm at a loss as to why it's in here. And you're no doubt going to hopefully tell me why it's there. But I'm I feel certainly as not. <laughs> I feel as though there's a part of the law that's been inserted here, but it's just in the wrong spot. Right. Okay. I mean, but anyway. Um, you know they have people like you who go through this to check it's all like ratified correctly, right? Like, so you know, I'm sure lawyers have, have fingered through it to make sure it's all correct and makes sense. I'm not. I'm not so sure they've used lawyers really? because I, I've commented before on, on what I think is a bit of lack of precision or some poor expressions. Uh, I, I'm not sure they do use lawyers. I think you'll find. I mean, bear in mind that IFAB, if you remember, is made up of a committee of a lot of former referees. players and coaches and yeah. referees. I, I'm not sure it goes to a lawyer's hand. I don't know. It, it must, be, do. must be ratified by someone like that, surely. Anyway, um, there's a lot of work in the UK for lawyers at the moment, isn't there? All these judicial reviews and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Are you it doesn't involve me. I, I don't do judicial <laughs> reviews, so it's fine. I don't, I don't need to worry about that, thank goodness. Um, so, indirect free kicks. Um, is awarded. An indirect, yeah, is awarded for player. And a, and a lot of this stuff is, I think, straightforward, but I think might be quite interesting to some sort of non-refereeing people because um, I think a lot of non-refereeing people don't quite understand why indirect free kicks are given. But anyway, so you get indirect free kick if a player plays in a dangerous manner, and that that is defined a bit later on. And a classic example of that a is is a bicycle kick or a high foot or something like that. Where oh, there's only no if contact. There's, and also when there's other players around nearby, yeah, and the other players could have made a play on the ball, right? Yeah, um, well, it wouldn't be dangerous if if they were stood in the pitch by themselves, though, would it? Well, no, but you said a bicycle kick. As I might think, well, is that because it's dangerous to himself? And there's an argument to be said there. Thank you. <laughs> Impedes the progress of opponent without any contact being made. I was just going to say, generally in my mind, 
a direct free kick is if there's contact and indirect free uh, see, kick if there isn't. I think that is That's the basically rule. the best way to kind of judge it. And if you're unsure if it is whatever, just give an indirect free kick. Uh because um Yeah. Because I think that distinction is, is right because yeah. almost all these examples, in fact, I think all of them are non-contact offenses. But anyway, uh guilty of dissent using offensive, insulting, or abusive language or actions or verbal offenses. Um, then the preventing the goalkeeper from releasing the ball from his hands or kicks or attempts to kick the ball. That's the classic one where we see in that one. one, in that one, uh prevents a goalkeeper from releasing the ball from the from the hands or kicks or yeah. attempts to kick the ball when the goalkeeper is in the process of releasing it, right? No goalkeeper in the world is going to enjoy you giving an indirect free kick when he's got the ball in his hands for that reason, right? No, so what not. I would do is I'd stop play and I'd give a drop ball so the keeper can then pick it up as opposed to making an indirect free kick. Because then you're you're harming the goalkeeper. Penalising, yeah. Yeah, you're no. penalising the goalkeeper for somebody else's offence, right? Because he might he'll probably prefer kicking it out of his hands than he would kicking it off the floor. Sorry. Um, then the next one for an indirect free kick is, is that, I mean, I'm not going to read out what it says. I'm just going to tell you what it, how I interpret it. You can't, Obviously, the goalkeeper can't pick up the ball if it's kicked back to him. But if it, if it's chested back to the keeper or headed back to the keeper, they can. And obviously, what the law says is you can't effectively engineer a chesting or a head ball by you know doing keepy ups, <laughs> kicking up to your head, and then heading it back to the keeper so you can pick it up. That is an indirect free kick, circumventing the intentions of the rules. That I, that I haven't read it out as it is in the no. law, but and also that can that can occur inside the penalty area as well, right? So yeah, it'd be an indirect free kick in the area. And then commits any other offence not mentioned in the laws for which players stopped uh, to caution or send off a player. Well, that's fine. Um, now the next bit again, I think is straightforward. An indirect free kick is awarded for goalkeeper inside the penalty area commits any of the following offences. So this is controlling the ball with a hand or arm for more than six seconds. Well, six. we'll say six seconds. In the premiership, it's more like 11. Oh, um, I think it's probably more the, than that in real life. Yeah, probably. Touches the ball with a hand or arm after releasing it before it's touched on the player and touches the ball with a hand or arm unless the goalkeeper is clearly kicked or attempt to kick the ball to release it into play after it's been deliberately kicked to the goalkeeper by a teammate, uh, receiving it directly from a throw and taken by a teammate. So pretty straightforward. If, if a goalkeeper does something which they're not permitted to do, Generally speaking, it's an indirect free kick. Um, yes, a classic pass in- back. Yeah, exactly. And if the and it's taken from the spot at which the goalkeeper's positions, I'm right in saying that on Adam. Well, yeah, because it's not an offence until the goalkeeper picks the ball up, right? And then if if it's within ten yards of the penalty area, the position so far as locating the um, defensive. Uh, wall is on the goal line, isn't it? On the goal line, correct. Yeah, because they have to be on the field of play. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. Now, this is the next bit, which I can't, can't quite understand why it's in here. And I might be, it's just because it's late on a Friday night and I'm a bit, my brain's a bit addled. Have you had Have you had two glasses of red wine before we did no, this? No, I'm not anything. <laughs> That's probably the reason why I can't understand yeah, it. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. Um, <laughs> inserts here about, a goalkeeper is considered to be in control of the ball with the hand or hands when the ball is between the hand or hands, um, between the hands or between the hand and any surface, such as the ground or their own body, yep. or by touching it with any part of the hand or arms, except if the ball rebounds from the keeper, the goalkeeper has made a save. Yep. It's also um, in the control of the keeper if he's holding the ball in his outstretched open hand. Yep. It's also under his control if he's bouncing it on the ground or throwing it in the air. Correct. And a goalkeeper cannot be challenged by an opponent winning control of the ball with the hands. What's wrong um, with 
you have to define when the goalkeeper has possession in order to know when an offence is going to be made against him. I suppose the, what, what I was, I think everybody's perception of this, certainly mine was, was that before I read the law a while back about this, but I always thought for the goalkeeper to be in control, they had to have it within both their hands. No. And that's plainly that's plain not the case. I mean, you are in goalkeeper's in control if they've got their hand on it and it's in contact with the ground or in, they're bouncing in, um, it. In, in acting, we have this thing called a circle of concentration, right? And there's three circles of concentration. You have your own circle of concentration, which is where you just focus on yourself as the actor delivering the performance, you know, your own internal processes and stuff like that. Then you widen up your circle of concentration to the stage and the other cast members. And then you widen up to the third one, which is the auditorium. The way I always think of this is that first circle of concentration. So like I imagine there's a circle around the goalkeeper. And for as long as the ball is within that circle and the ball is within the goalkeeper's vicinity, i.e. not at his feet, then um, as long as it's not at his feet, then he has possession of the ball. Sweet, sweetie. Well, I like using analogies from the theatre. I think it can help sometimes, okay? Of course you do, darling. If you listen, I used to, I used to, I used proper psychology in the last um in the last episode. When you listen to it, it will change your life. Right. Where are we up to? Playing in a dangerous well, we, manner. Well, we we yeah, no, we we've we've done that because that's just defining uh what playing a dangerous manner is. Mm-hmm. And we've already talked about that. We gave examples, so to worry about that. And impeding the progress. Oh, this was a point I think was quite important to look at. Impeding the progress of an opponent without contact, right? So this is the bit that really deals with that situation where I don't know, you're in you're in added time at the end of 90 minutes, and um a team have got it in the corner, they're trying to shield the ball, they're trying to keep the ball stuck in the corner, and everyone gets sort of outraged about you know what they're doing, and, and then people get outraged when a sort of player comes in and sort of aggressively tries to sort of chart at him and so the position is uh, a player may shield the ball by taking position between uh, an opponent and the ball if the ball is within playing distance that's important to remember and the opponent is not being held off with the arms or the body again very very important you can use your body but you can't use your hands I I covered I covered this um last week we had a question about this like when does shielding a ball become an offense and it says if the ball is within playing distance, the player may be fairly charged by an opponent. So Absolutely. there we go. Can I part. just can I just double back to I was I was thinking it might come up later. Double back to the first part of the indirect free kick where it yeah. says is guilty of dissent using offensive, insulting, or abusive language and/or actions or other verbal offenses. Now, this is really important to remember for grassroots referees. Okay. So say one team is breaking down the wing or something towards the attacking third, and the left back screams and shouts at you and calls you an idiot for not giving him a throw in that he wanted or whatever you have every right to stop play walk over to him sanction him and then you give an indirect free kick to the other team not back to the team high possession at the point upon which that descent occurred so you can take play all the way back from the wing that they were on yeah. attacking where the infringement occurred yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, not even when the infringement occurred. Like, they're attacking, play is full and open, but you feel like you've got to stop play to deal with this situation, okay? And then the ball goes from that point. It's not where you stop playing. They had possession. If if you're if you're, um, if you're sanctioning a guy on that team, on that attacking team, but he's in his defensive third, you then give a free kick to the other team in the defensive third, oh, where so that yeah, player yeah, was yeah. when he gave the dissent. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't advise it greatly, 
Um, I would often say wait till a stop in play and deal with it then. Wait till a natural end in play because it's just a lot cleaner and a lot easier. But sometimes you have to. Like if a goalkeeper gives you a spray and, and there's like an, if there's like an attacking free kick or I suppose you can't because the play's, the ball's not in play at that point. Um, so no, you can't do that. But yeah, you can foot dissent for abusive, offensive, insulting language and or actions. You can stop play at any point and the ball goes to where that player was stood when he did that. And the indirect free kick goes to the other team. And, you know, that those aren't given any particular definitions. They're fairly broad. Because and they it's cover your a, understanding. a whole range of things. It's really your, uh, you know, interpretation and understanding yeah. of it. And, um, no, that's that, you're right. At grassroots level, that's a good thing to bear in mind. Certainly if things are getting a bit out of hand and getting a bit heated and things are getting a bit out of control, it's a good way to sort of put down a marker and, uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion, to behave themselves. Um, so next well, part. Sorry, of... I was just about to say, you know how people always say, oh, I wish we could like push it back 10 yards, push it back 10 yards. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like um, for free kicks and stuff when you keep getting abuse. Could, that is kind of, yeah, that is kind of football's version of it. Yeah, I guess. Not not quite. Not quite because ball has to be in play, but it, it's a way of, it's a way of penalizing stuff like that. And yeah. not no one would know that you're well within your rights to do that. Um, yes. Right. Disciplinary so action. Next bit is disciplinary action. Um, I think we can do this pretty quickly because certainly large parts of the thing are common sense. It really says the referee has the authority to take disciplinary action from entering the field of play for the pre-match inspection until he leaves the match after the match is finished. Um, and obviously, you have the power to, before you've entered the field of play for the start of the match, to, um, if anybody commits a sending off offence, uh, or, or any offence that's punishable by card, you're able to deal with that before, you know, the ball's even been kicked for the match. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's pretty much all you need to say about that. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of half page on the mm-hmm. on the. Thing, but it really just says your authority starts before balls even kicked. Only a player so, substitute, substituted player or team official may be showing the red or yellow card. Yeah. You never used to be able to show them to team officials, but now you can, which I think is yeah. a good move. Cool. Um, there's then some other situations where you can have disciplinary action. So one is it says, uh, once the referees decide to caution or send off a player, play must not be restarted until the sanction has been administered, unless. Um, there's always an exception. The non-offending team takes a quick free kick, has a clear goal scoring opportunity, and the referee has not started the disciplinary sanction procedure. The sanction is administered at the next stoppage. And if this is this is what I made dog so is just for me, I get I have nightmares about this. Every time dog so comes up, I get cold sweats. I have to reread the I've said this before, but I have to read it's the only law I game. read before every single game. So I've got in the forefront of my mind what to do in these situations. But anyway, it says here, if the offence was denying the opposing team an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, the player is cautioned. If the offence interfered with or stopped a promising attack, the player is not cautioned. Hang on, what? The sanction is administered at the next stoppage. Right, yeah, okay. Um, this is only in the situation where... I Look, honestly, just don't get into it. Don't let a team... If you've got a sanction a player, don't let sanction the team... Them. Don't let the team take the quick free kick. Sanction I, the player and deal with it. Just don't get into this law. Just ignore it. Um, like you would never, it's not safe. It's what I would call not safe refereeing. Like you want to be a safe referee. And out there, if you need to caution someone, you need to caution them. Don't let them take a quick free kick. So Because they also, from the quick free kick, have to have a 
obvious goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. Now, how are you going to judge that accurately? Do you know what I mean? And, and then also, you're going to go back and caution the guy. Um, but you can only caution him if it was denying an obvious goal scoring opportunity to begin with. It's... Whereas if it was denying a goal scoring opportunity to begin with, then you should have just dealt with that as a dog zone to begin with. Just don't do it. Just if, also, so, if you need to card someone, no quick free kicks are being taken. And also, if the, if a, an obvious goal scoring opportunity is going to arise from this free kick, it's almost certainly going to be close to the penalty area, which is the sort of situation where you, you want to, to slow it down, the, control it. Slow it down, let the keeper yep. know what's happening. Let what they call cere- ceremonial free kicks. I love it. Yeah, them. exactly. And, yeah. and often in situations like that, you want to take heat out of the game. You don't want to add heat to it. And by dicing around with this, you're going to add heat to the game. Yeah, just I, don't, I agree. Don't I'm glad get you said just ignore this bit and just do it the proper way by sanctioning straight away because I think that is um, the right answer. Always. Uh, you're, a brave, section... you're a brave referee who starts playing. Yeah, around. I know. Uh, the next section is entitled Advantage, and it says that if the referee plays the advantage from offence um, for which a caution or setting off would have been issued, had play stopped. The caution setting off must be issued when the ball is next head of play. Well, that uh, that's fine. Um, again, though, bloody dog so rears its ugly head again. It However, does. if the offence was denying the opposing team an obvious goal scoring opportunity, the player is cautioned for unsporting behaviour. If the offence was interfering with or stopping a promising attack, the player's not cautioned. I mean, Correct. I just can't get my head around this thing. Okay. So, however, if the offence was denying... The, so, you've played advantage. Foul's gone in. You've gone, play on advantage. And please, both hands up out in front of you. Yep. The loudest shout in the world, please, everybody. Yep. The amount of people I see who just stick an arm up and think everyone should know you've played advantage and seen a foul. Um However, if the offence was denying the opposing team an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, so like what happened to me, it was a dogzo, I played advantage on it, okay? Um, yeah. And that gets defined later in that what, uh, like, you should only play an advantage on a dogzo if, like, the guy is literally on, on the goal line and can yeah. do nothing but score, okay? Every other situation of a dogzo, you stop playing the order, okay? Um the player is cautioned for unsporting behavior. So if a dogzo has happened and you've played advantage, you caution him. However, yeah. if the offense was interfering with or stopping a promising attack, also known as spar, you don't caution the player for um, because you played advantage off it. Okay. Okay. So so it's like if it was so basically, if it was a tactical foul and you've played advantage, you don't have to give yeah. the caution. If it was a dogzo, and you played advantage, you do have to give the caution. See, I don't, that I, it doesn't make sense to me because what it's basically saying is you can commit a, a foul, okay, which ordinarily would be sanctionable with a card. Mm. But because you let play on, they escape the sanction? Yeah, because you, because the attacking team have already gained the advantage. Why are you playing the advantage? But that's neither here nor there. If a player has gone in to make a tactical foul, that, that's the, that's a cautionable offence. Then, then if that's the case, don't play the advantage. Yeah, but as you say, though, there are some situations where it's blindly obvious that you should play the advantage because they're about to score a goal. Then it's um, a dog so. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> I get this idea about. If it, you know, depending how it turns out, depends on whether the person's sanctioned or not. It look, doesn't make sense look, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be honest, right? You're not likely, the referee must must send off the player when the ball is next to the play. If the play, if the player plays the ball, hang on. Um, oh, hang on. Uh, yeah. 
I'm looking at the wrong bit advantage. So, however, if the offense was denying the opposing team an <laughs> obvious goal scoring opportunity, I thought I was confused. The player is cautioned for unsporting behavior. Correct. If the offense was interfering with or stopping a promising attack, the player is not cautioned. Like, I'll be honest, you're you're not likely to be basically your considerations for a spa are kind of like position on the field of play. Generally, a spa would occur in the middle third of the pitch, right? You're not likely to have stopping a promising attack in the attacking third of the pitch because by that point, if it was a promising attack, it's probably turned into a, a denying an obvious goal scoring opportunity. You with me so far? Yeah, I, but I still... And so, and so if there's a tactical, if there's a spa, again, if there's a spa, just don't play the advantage. Um, and, and if there is a spa and you play advantage, just let it go. Just be like, no, you've got the advantage. You don't need to caution him for it because the attacking team has already had the advantage by getting the advantage. Yeah? And, like, if the player does it more than once, like, it's still a foul, right? So if the player then goes and does it again and he thinks he can constantly get away with it, he can't because then he's going to be done for persistent infringement. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the last bit about advantage, which doesn't really, I don't think is that complicated. It just says if a defender starts holding an attacker outside the penalty area and continues holding inside the penalty area, the referee must award a penalty kick. Well, that's just consistent with a general rule about if a, a foul can start outside the box and continue inside the box, if it continues yep. inside the box, it's a penalty. Mm -hmm. It's not really much different from that. Um, and also, uh, sorry, also don't play advantage when there's serious foul play, violent conduct or a second cautionable offence. Um, unless there is a clear opportunity to score a goal. And by clear opportunity to score a goal, we mean like, again, on the goal not line, goal. can't not yeah. miss, which will yeah. never happen. So if someone needs a red card, stop play, give them a red card. And there's then a very helpful list of what are cautionable offences. So um, all the things that everybody instinctively knows, but here they are set out. Delaying the restart of play, descent by word or action, entering or leaving the field of play without permission, Failing to respect the distance from a drop ball, corner kick, free kick, or throw in, uh, persistent offences, and uh, as I think you said before, there's no specific number of what constitutes persistent, mm -hmm. uh, unsporting behaviour, entering the um, VAR uh, referee view, review area, which is not really necessary for grassroots, excessive using the review signals. That's you know, I get that. Referee, I get that all the time in my Do games. <laughs> no. Oh. I don't know. I thought, I thought being serious. I thought <laughs> I thought it was just a lot of sarcastic players who are questioning your dubious decision making. Oh, <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um that's interesting. They've taken out um no, have they taken out? Questionable offences. Where's like trip or attempt to trip? Does that come under? No, but like, no, but that, that's just free kicks, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Of course. This Sorry. Is just, this is uh, for sanctions. See, yeah. it's confusing. Yeah. Right. Cool. It's confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and substitutes can be cautioned if they're if they commit a number of those offences as well, which we yep. know anyway. And uh, final point under this section, which we've talked about, I think before when we had an example within the news, but and you think gave a specific example from one of your games where two separate cautionable offences are committed, even in close proximity, they should result in two cautions. So it's not just a case that you sort of only punish the latter one. If somebody, you know, does two things in quick succession, those are two separate offences that are met with two separate yellow cards. And that classic one was he played advantage, then another tackle went in, and he got two yellow cards resulting in a red all at the same time. Yeah. It was the Arsenal player, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yes, of course, that's right, yeah. Mm. I knew we talked about it before. Mm. Um, 
And then cautions for unsporting behaviour. I mean, it's not it's not a definitive list, but I think it um, gives some good examples, which yeah, is okay. feigning injury or simulation, changing place with the keeper without permission, uh, commits in a reckless manner, direct free kick offence, handling the ball to stop a promising attack, um, denying an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Commits any other offence that interferes with or stops a promise and attack. The classic spar, except yeah. where the referee awards a penalty kick for an offence which was an attempt to play the ball. Um, and then handling the yep. ball in an attempt to score a goal. Dogzo, um, Dogzo's on there. Yeah, I did, I did that. I did that out of order beforehand. So yeah, okay. I mentioned that before. As long as they've um, attempted to play the ball, you give a yellow card. As long as yeah, they've I'm genuinely not. attempted to play the ball. That that's the key, isn't it? If they, mm-hmm. if you think it's a genuine attempt to play the ball. It's a yellow. Which I would say generally, generally in those situations, most of the time it is a genuine attempt to play the ball. Um, like a defender's not committing a foul in the penalty area if he's not trying to get the ball. Like very rarely does someone just walk into someone and push him over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um and then makes unauthorized marks on the field of play. Yeah. That's sort of studying the um, penalty spot. Mm-hmm. Um, playing the ball when leaving the field of play after being permission to leave, showing a lack of respect for the game, um, and initiating those tricks we talked about earlier on to mm-hmm. get the ball back to the keeper so he can pick it up. And then verbally, verbally distracting an opponent. opponent. So this is quite important because I get so irritated when I'm refereeing. Somebody shouts out, mine. Leave and it. Everyone goes, it's, it, it's a yellow card. It's a yellow card. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's only if it's designed to sort of put off the other player. It, you know, a mere assertion that the ball is theirs is not putting you off if you're not, you know, nowhere near it. I mean, honestly, that we had this. We had this in a local game here. I think I was, I was either on the line for it or assessing. I think I was on the line for it, and a penalty kick went in. And uh, and as the penalty kick was being taken, uh, one of the opposing teams screamed, whatever, to try and put him off. Um, and like, uh, you know. I I spoke to referee about it after. The referee said he just didn't hear it, and I was like, "That's fair enough. That's fine. You're entitled yeah. to." And it's difficult as well because how do you know who it was? Um, like you have to see it. And at a penalty, you're focused on on one thing or the other. Yeah, um, exactly. you know what I mean. So yeah, but it's it will be a situation like that. And then finally, um, when it comes to goal celebrations, um, leaving the field of play to celebrate goals not a course offence, but you should return as quickly as possible. And a player should be cautioned for climbing onto perimeter fences, approaching spectators in a manner to cause safety or security issues, acting in a provocative, derisory or inflammatory way, uh, covering the head or face with a mask or other similar item, and then removing the shirt or covering the head of the shirt. Well, the, we're, we're all familiar with the um, that one because it's the most commonly used one. I like the fact that it can't be choreographed either. Well, I, I, I mean, I left it out because I, do, I find it almost embarrassing to read that out. Players can celebrate a goal when it's when it's scored, but the celebration must not be excessive. Choreographed celebrations are not encouraged and must not cause excessive. Do you imagine Anton Anton Dubeck just gets them all doing the foxtrot? <laughs> I mean, God's sake! I mean, crying out loud! Just, I mean, the people are trying to kill the fun of the game. You know, let, let them do their little samba dance together if they want to, um, but anyway. Um, and also, then we've got a, a few more things which players can receive cautions. Which again, I think most people are, are familiar with, whether you're player, spectator, or oh, referee. This goes on forever, doesn't it? Uh, attempt go on. To, to attempt to take a throw, but suddenly leaving it to teammates—that's just a sort of time wasting thing. Size. 
delaying leaving the field of play when being substituted where well, we see that very occasionally being issued mm-hmm. excessively delaying a restart kicking the ball away after referee stop play and taking a free kick from the wrong, wrong position to force that's the, the one that's the one kicking the ball away that's the one that will get most referees most problems on, gets on the field annoyed. it, it gets, gets me annoyed but it gets the reaction of everyone else gets me more annoyed um because you know quite often they do it when they're still you know, they've just not heard the whistle quick enough and yeah. their thought is already there for the ball. It's It has to be like deliberately kicking it away in anger. I, I say, I in my head, it's either doing it in anger, in frustration, or so much time has passed that they are clearly just stopping um, play. Uh, stopping, like, time-wasting. Um, so I can see as I scroll down the uh, page, we are fast approaching Dogzo, my favourite <laughs> Just before we get there, we, we get a... A list of sending off offences. Um, Go everything which, else first. Um, a player who commits the following offences is sent off, denying of his goal scoring opportunity by a handball offence, denying of his goal scoring opportunity, who's where an opponent whose overall movements towards the offender's goal by an offence punishable by a free kick, serious foul play, biting, spitting, violent conduct, offensive, insulting, abusive language or actions, receiving a second caution, um, and. That's it, really, for grassroots. A player, substitute or substitute player who's been sent off must leave the vicinity of the field of play and the technical area. So I think that's. I had to to demand. I had to demand a coach leave the uh, vicinity of the field of play the other week. Had to send him off for some of those things. Yep. Right. Denying a goal or an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Are you ready, Ed? Do you need Do you need to go and get a glass of wine while we talk about this? I, I just hate this one, but anyway, let, let's let's just deal with it. As well, as well, no, what, wait, no. What do you hate about it? Because you're probably not the only person, right? No, it's just that you know your your focus when something like this happens is you know how things are going to play out, and then you then got to make a decision about instantly: is it a red card? Is it a yellow card? Um, and it's not, I don't think it's straightforward because you've got to form an assessment as to it is so we, we always next. We always talk about we always talk about considerations, right? So yeah. what, what are your first considerations? Okay. The first consideration of dogzo is is it is what? Was it a dogzo? It's the first question, isn't it? Okay. So has a foul taken place and would he have scored a goal? Obviously yeah. scored a goal. Has he had an obvious opportunity to score a goal? Then what's your second consideration? So let's say you're thinking it is a dogzo. Okay. What's your next consideration? Um Ed? What? <laughs> I thought the internet had chipped. <laughs> Can you pose the question slightly more directly? So that I know what you're asking me, otherwise I've just got a bit lost. That's fine. What is I don't know how to. So fouls taken place, and you, yeah. you're thinking it was a nine an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, the player's yeah. already scored three goals, and he's been brought down um, yeah. on his way to a one on one with a goalkeeper. Okay. Yeah. Then what is your what is the next thing you need to figure out to figure out um, in terms of play and where where and when the offence has happened? What's the next thing you need to tick off and figure out before you decide how to deal with the player that committed the foul? Well, I mean, I don't know. Are you are you forming the assumption already that it was an obvious goal scoring opportunity? Yeah, yeah. We we've ticked off that he's likely to have scored a goal, or he's had an he's okay. been denied an opportunity to score a goal. 
Well, then, then your next consideration is is what you're going to do to the players committed the infringement. No, your next consideration is was it in the area or outside the area? Okay. Because if it was outside the area, what is it? It's a direct free kick and and a yellow card. No, outside the area, it's a red card for a doxo. Okay, but that that would be a fairly clear cut situation for somebody to be. Well, it can be like right on the edge of the eighteen yard area, right? But you know, or like you know, like the ball's gone over the top. You've got a foot race. You've got a striker and a centre back running and running and running. It's that you know, there's now twenty five yards between him and the goal. He's got a one on one. He's already scored two goals that game. He's their top scorer, and he's. You know, and he gets brought down outside the area. The first okay, thing, so it's outside the area. It's a red card. That's it. He's denied an obvious goal scoring opportunity. And remember, okay. it's only an opportunity with which to score a goal. It's not, oh, he was really, really likely to score a goal. He's been denied the opportunity to score the goal. It's not like he was definitely going to score because you can yeah. never say that. He's been taken away the chance to get that shot off, right? Um, so if it's outside the area, red card, job done, easy peasy. Yeah. Yep. Then if it happens inside the area. This is then, then it, when it's a question of whether or not it's a genuine attempt to play the ball or not. Correct. Which 99.99% of the time it probably is, or you can at least sell it that it is, right? Yeah. yeah. If, it, if, it, if, it, if it is like, a genuine attempt to play the ball, then it's a penalty kick and a yellow card for the correct. player. So what's the issue? What are the circumstances in which it would be a penalty and a red card? It would be where there's been, you deem there to be no genuine intent to play the ball or Correct. if there's which, a use of a hand. Yeah, which the only the only situation that really springs to mind upon which something like that would happen is if a player's running across and he just completely takes, takes the out. player out, like just runs into him or the goalkeeper goes for the player as opposed to the ball, yeah. which is rare. Um, yeah. But, but generally does, happen. does but it does, generally does, but you're rare, generally yeah. if it's in the area, most teams are going to be more happy with a penalty a kick and a, and a yellow than um than obviously a red for it not being a genuine attempt. And when when you go through it like that, like in that logical order, yeah, no, that, or, that, makes, a lot, that makes a lot more sense. I agree yeah. an opportunity is you know, it, it's no longer a spa, it's no longer stopping a promising attack. We're now in the area of dogzo because yeah. players develop down the pitch. There's less players involved. We're now involved in the dogzo, in or out. If it's out, and then and then obvious goal scoring opportunities going to depend upon a whole host of factors. You know how many players are around them, where they are in in relation to the goal. Um, Yeah, fine, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that no, that that helps to talk it through like that. So um, let's just see what it says. about Dogso. So it says, where a player commits an offence against an opponent within their own penalty area, which denies the opponent obvious goal-scoring opportunity, and the referee awards a penalty kick, the offender is cautioned if the offence is an attempt to play the ball. In all other circumstances, holding, pulling, pushing, or no possibility to play the ball, the, the player must be sent off. So that, that having had a discussion, that all uh, makes sense. I suppose uh, like the what, holding, the holding, pulling of a shirt, that could be, that's not a genuine attempt. So like no. if it just grabs him, and you see yeah. it clear and obvious, that would be a red card in the yeah. penalty area as well. 
Uh, where a player denies your team, the opposing team, a goal or an obvious goal scoring opportunity by a handball, they're all sent off wherever the offence occurs. That that I, I'm perfectly mm-hmm. comfortable with. Um, and then it also, and it says, as I just said, uh, you must consider when deciding whether or not um, your, these, are your, goals, these are your considerations. These are my points. Distance between the offence and the goal, general direction of play. Likely of keeping or gaining control of the ball, location number defenders. So those those are all pretty obvious points. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that was a lot clearer. Um, glad glad foul, it could be a help. Serious foul play is defined as a tackle or challenge that endangers the safety of an opponent or uses excessive force or brutality. And then anyone lunging um, at an opponent in a challenge for the ball from the front side or from behind using one or both legs with excessive force or endangers the safety of the opponent is guilty of serious foul play. Again, I think that's all very straightforward. Mm-hmm. And violent conduct is where a player uses or attempts to use excessive force or brutality against an opponent when not challenging for the ball or against a teammate, official, match official, spectator. Um, and any player who, when not challenging the ball, deliberately strikes an opponent or any other person on the head or face with a hand or arm is guilty of violent conduct unless the force used was negligible. Uh, again, that's all pretty much common sense. Um now, how much further are we going to go, Adam, in the laws? Because, you know... Gosh, it goes on forever, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a lot. There's Sending a, off there's a lot portions, still to go. team officials. Yeah, there's a lot still to go. Warren offence is coming in. Yeah, so you're dealing with team officials next. Maybe we should stop there. And then we yeah, can be like, that's... we've dealt with the field of play and then we can deal with officials next week. Yeah, I think so, because... Or should I say next month? <laughs> <laughs> No, we've got to get we've got to get these done over the summer, Adam. So that we I know, can... and it's all it's all quite um, it's all it's quite, quite straightforward from now on in. I think. Yeah, but also it's all quite heavy stuff. So I don't want to drain the ears of our. No, I I agree, I agree. Um, so I think that's probably a good point, which to leave the laws for this week. And now we we um, get we get to move on to some fun stuff, don't we? Oh, we, oh questions. We haven't done questions. Do you, want, do you want to do a question tonight? Should we do a question or two? You know, you know, I finally thought of an answer. This has been in our post bag for ages and ages and ages. And last this week, the answer finally sprung into my head, right? Um, so the question was, was from Lacey. Uh, yeah. If you could change any laws or the wording of any laws, would you and why? Crikey. You see, you've had a bit of time to think about this one because this one came into you. So what, you, you tell us then what your one is, and I have a little think. Maybe I can't answer tonight, but... My answer is shin pads. I want to see players wearing proper shin pads much better. And um, I think where shin pads are at. The law currently says with shin pads, it has to provide adequate protection to the shin, which is, you know, and I would say 90% of the shin pads you see on the football field definitely don't qualify that. So I would change it to has to cover at least three quarters of the shin, from the ankle upwards, and that's it. And I think that would offer players so much more protection, um, and and it also puts the puts the shin pad closer to the ankle, which is where you're more likely to get a broken shin. Um, and I think for player safety, that's really important because these days I'm seeing you know 13 year olds, I'm seeing all kinds of ages of players actually coming out with shin pads that are no bigger than my hand, and they're like six foot four, six foot five, and it's like. You've got no protection at all there. And, and the point is, is that you don't break your leg so that you never walk again. Um, and if you think, you know, you're, if you think the shin pad is affecting your ability to control the ball that much, I think you probably need to question how good a player you actually are. I'm going to have to think about mine. I think, I think almost certainly mine's going to, and I'll come back to it in a future episode, 
once you've had a chance, give it some thought. Almost certain it's going to be in relation to the the handball handball law. I mean, I, I would really, um, I'm I'm not very happy with the, the current state of the handball law. Um, I would like to see a, a, a reversion to the um, deliberate. And I, I know that the, the the latest you know version of the law tries to bring about a degree of sort of certainty, so that you know if the arms in an unnatural position, that sort of stuff. But I do think there have been some fairly absurd handballs being given this year, uh, where plainly aren't deliberate, and I'm just not sure that's what we should be doing. But anyway, I, I'll have a reflect on that and come back with a, a another answer on another occasion. Was there any other listener questions you wanted to deal with? Um, uh, let me have a look. Uh, oh, to, uh, have, you, have you have you ever been a fourth? Have you ever been a fourth official? Uh, I have been a fourth official. Yeah. How did you find um, it? Well, I found it pretty straightforward, to be honest, because Fair I'm enough. not dealing with with events where there's sort of massive crowds and um, you know problematic benches. So um, the question the question was: Have you got any tips on how to be a fourth official apart from being a sponge for abuse? And this was from Andre. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> well, he's, right, he's right about that. I that's mean, literally you, your job to be a that sponge. That is your for job abuse. as fourth yeah. official. Yeah, and to keep an eye on the substitutions and timekeeping yeah. and timekeeping basically is it and but to you, manage you're, so your your job is to manage the coaches you're managing and manage the, benches the benches and coaches right? and so take some pressure off the off the ref and taking lots of abuse and complaints from the benches is that I that think, is pretty much your role yeah i mean it's a lot harder when you don't have comms but when you have comms you can ju- just you can say like things like look let me listen to what's going on and then i can yeah. i can explain to you what's happening so you can by yourself time like that. Um, I was once fourth official to Patrick Vieira and Steve Potts. And Patrick Vieira was an absolute delight. It was so awesome. Lovely fella. Steve Potts, on the other hand, uh, was, I was a sponge for his abuse the whole, the whole 90 minutes. And that was not I, a fun experience. I quite like the aspect of the, of being the fourth official in the, I, I kind of feel that you are there in some ways to also help explain What's just you know decisions being on the on the pitch to, to try and you know well, also comprehension. You're, you're the reserve referee, so if the referee yeah. gets injured, you're going in. So you know you need to you you do need to know what's going on with the benches and know what's going on with the field of play in order to feed that back. So yeah. that if you have to go in, you can pick up the game where the other referee left it off in the same sort of way. Um, there there is some great. sense. Keep it- your distance. Don't 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 get involved with them too much. Just smile, nod, agree with them. Just placate them, I think, is generally the best way. I agree with that. Um, I don't think it ever helps to start getting into... Because it's very easy in those situations to try to get into arguments. There's, there's just absolutely no point in doing that yeah. at all. And you're one and against you're one against like an entire exactly. bench who ain't going to agree with you. Substitutes and, and, that's and everything. that's why the description of being a sponge is spot on, because you are largely taking, not reacting to anything. I do think, as I said, there's an opportunity for you know, communication to try and help people mm. understand why this has been taken, um, especially as you say, if you've got comms, because then you you know for certain, otherwise, you know, you're just giving them your interpretation. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I think that's pretty bad. I think that, that, smile that's nod. pretty good advice, just though, to be smile fair. Smile and nod. Yeah. I personally, I would, I would, I would make the benches think I'm agreeing with them without overtly saying I agree with them. And and then that's kind of the best way. Your, your whole job is to basically deflate the, the benches the whole time. And I think my final tip would be, remember you are part of a team and you need to support your other members of your team and you don't sell them down the river by 
making silly remarks about, yeah, I wouldn't have given that. No. Or, yeah, I'm a bit puzzled as to why that is. It didn't look like a high foot to me. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. But don't, you know, you're, you're, you're backing up your, your colleagues. And so I'd say just remember that you're part of a team. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, well, we've got, we've got <clears throat> four minutes left, Adam, before our recording ends. So I'm going to do some quick, 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 um, quick um, fun facts for you. Cue jingle. You don't have to wait for it. I can edit it in, you know. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's now time for Ed's Fun Facts. So, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got uh, lots of fun facts this week, and I'm not going to be able to get through them all, and I'm going to save some for, for next week as well, because I think I'll probably bleat on before, but it's not easy finding lots of fun facts for this. But I thought it'd be quite good. We've spoken a little bit about uh, VAR, uh, just to do some little things about about VAR this year. Do you okay. know how many overturned decisions there were in the Premier League this season? Oh. Decisions overturned uh, by oh. VAR in the 22-23 Premier League season? 172. No. Um, <laughs> 116. Oh, I wasn't far away, considering... Still quite a lot, though, isn't it? I mean, I suppose 116 overturns. Overturns decisions. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of games. Like every team plays 38 games. Like, there's a lot of games. So I don't think yeah. that is a lot when you look at the proportion of decisions that are made. How many um, disallowed goals do you think there were from, as a result of VAR? As a result of VAR, of the 116, uh, 22. No, there were 55 disallowed quite. goals. That's that seems quite high. Uh, how many penalties do you think were awarded as a result of VAR decisions? Thirty-one. Uh, not bad. Twenty-six. Oh, okay. Um, I was thinking mid-twenties, and then it just went up a little bit. How many penalties do you think they are awarded for handball offences? Well, judging on your rant a little minute ago, um, I'm going to say 116. <laughs> it, it was it was only it was only five actually for penalties okay. for handball. Um, as I say, I think there has been a degree of certainty brought about with the the new rules, but I don't think it's perfect. Number of goals ruled out for offside decisions as a result of VAR. Ah, uh, forty forty-eight. Uh, 35. One of these days, um, I'm going to hit one of these numbers perfectly, aren't I? <laughs> it's a numbers game. <laughs> how many uh, penalty decisions were overturned by VAR? So on-field ref has mm. given them, um, but it's been overturned by VAR. 12? 12 is the correct answer. Is it really? Yeah. No how way! The- Are you kidding me? How- no, no, no. Three of those were for offside, just for those interested. And wow. finally, I got one my final right. series Wait, of fun can facts. We just celebrate that a little bit. <laughs> I got that bang on. It's only which, taken 15 episodes. Which team do you think benefited most from VR decisions in terms of points they received that they wouldn't receive but for VR interventions? Is Manchester one City. Said, no, it was Aston Villa. They apparently Ooh. were 11 points better off as a result of VR decisions. And the wow. team, finally, that was most adversely affected by uh, VAR. Southampton. Man City. Man City oh, would have wow. been 
would have finished on 94 points, but for VAR. In fact, they finished on 89, so they were five points worse off. As so it would have embarrassed Arsenal even more. So there we go. Fun fact, plenty more next week when I deal with stats for the referees for the 22-23 season. And with 20 seconds left on our recording time, Adam, I'm going to say lovely to see you again. Likewise, my good friend. Luck, good luck in your game this evening. Thank you very much. And let's hope to record very, very soon. Indeed. Let's. Ciao, Take ciao. Take care. Ciao, Bye. ciao. Bye. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Red or Yellow. You're clearly a very fit listener. May I gently remind you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends. And don't forget to please share it with any colleagues or refereeing groups that you may have. Good luck on the fields out there this week. And if you have any questions, please send them in to us. Voice notes can be sent to redoryellowpod at gmail.com or you can contact us on social media. It's at Red or Yellow Pod. Have the most wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening. Ciao, ciao.